Well, good morning, Community Life Church. Man, is it great to gather together. I think I say it every week because I'm for real, like I mean it. And it's great to be able to gather together. I got to tell you today, um, I am not who you think I am. I am not who you think I am. Oftentimes we get this uh, inflated idea of who an individual is. Uh, We also help other people with that inflated idea. We help people, like, and we're okay when people think a certain way about us. I'm here to tell you that I am a selfish person. I'm here to tell you that there are times when I find myself being hypocritical. There are times in my life where I do not prepare for things the way that I ought to prepare. Can anybody relate to this so far? Maybe you have this figured out, but I don't. I am not who you think I am. Images that you may see on social media about myself or or my family, you may have this inflated idea, this concept, oh, they have it all figured out. Well, some of my closest friends know, well, we know that ain't true. (laughs) He's always trying to figure things out. And so I'm here to tell you that I am not who you think I am. Can you say that with me? I am not who you think I am. Look to the person next to you and say, I am not who you think I am. We get things in our heads where we just inflate people. We, we, we just raise people up to a level that they were never intended to be. But even worse is the fact that we're okay with that. We're okay with being viewed at a certain level. And this is not a new issue. This is not a new concept We're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 6 today. You can turn in your Bibles or open your mobile devices to Matthew chapter 6, however you read the scriptures. Then we're going to learn um, a little bit today about how Jesus talked about this type of situation where people were viewed a certain way and people, the Pharisees in this situation, were viewed a certain way, viewed as very, very righteous, and yet they were not living the way that they were talking. And so at the heart of today, today's probably going to be a little bit of a needle poke. It's good for you, but it might stink. And so today's going to be an opportunity for us to receive what we need and acknowledge we are not who people think we are. And we're going to see what Jesus says about this situation and so this, situa- this is a moment where Jesus, uh, you could say, well, you could say it's in the middle, but I mean the chapters were added later in, the, in, the, in this letter of Matthew. And so we have Matthew chapter 6, and during this time, Jesus is sitting on the side of a hill. He's sitting on the side of a mountain, if you will, and known as the Mount of Be- the Beatitudes in northern Israel. And so they're sitting on the, on the side. This is where they believe that he had this conversation. And he's talking to a group of people, he, his followers, the disciples, and a large group of people. And he's on the side of the hill, and he's sharing this information on what he's, what he's wanting us to understand. This is a review, if you will, or another moment, I should say, where we're looking at the heart posture, which is so huge. Not our physical posture, but our heart posture when it comes to how we relate to people and how we relate to God. And so Jesus is saying, this is how you do these things, and we're going to walk through some of these things together. 
You can follow me in your Bible. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, which typically I will. I also have the uh, verse on the screen there. And so starting in verse number 1, we're going to be reading Matthew chapter 6. Now these are the words of Jesus. We know that because in my red letter edition, right? Those are good to have. And so I see, and in the context, you can confirm that Jesus is talking here. And he says these words, watch out! Watch out! This isn't a moment of, hey, um are coming, right? This is a moment of, whoa, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth that you have received all the reward you will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, uh, but don't let your hand, when you do give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. So let's stop there for just a minute. Two things that we're going to focus on in this, in this moment here is the good deeds um, and giving. Okay, so good deeds and giving, they're, they're kind of together there, uh, but, but a good deed could be something other than giving. So the acts themselves are rarely in question, right? So in this moment, it's not about the good deeds. It's not about the giving. It's about how you're doing it. So let me give you an example, all right? Now, this is a heart posture thing. We all know this thing, right? This is a, I don't know, call it what you want, a basket. It's, it's what we use to, uh, for people to be able to give. And, and so during our services, as you know, um, you can give online, you can do uh, text to give, you can also come forward on the altar and you can do this. Now, something interesting happens in our minds from the time that we are there, if we're giving in person and we give this physically, to the time that we actually make it down here. Probably a lot of thoughts and a lot of wonders and a lot of whatevers. And uh, the act of making it down here to give, to put this in here, is not in question. It's why we do what we do that is in question. And so giving on the text to give. I like to do that, but I'm very intentional not to be like... I'm just giving. I'm just giving. And I see the hearts of our people being very intentional not to come down going, that one's thick. <laughs> right, you see that one right there? Yeah giving it. <laughs> That's me. And then bouncing back. I don't see anybody doing that. But in our hearts sometimes, we think we're better than we are because of what we do. It's called self-righteousness. And the Pharisees did this so well. They made a career out of self-righteousness. They would do good things and they would be like, hey, hey, did you see what we did here? This was a good thing. We took this person, gave this person something. Oh, and giving, I just want you to know how much I'm giving because I am so good. Today would look a little bit uh, kind of like, like this. Hey, Gracie, I guess I do need my phone after all, honey. I'm sorry. Thank you. She was holding it for me, and, uh, and I thought, oh, I need and so it kind of looks, we're not looking at the act, we're looking at the heart behind it, right? So I'm going to 
I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And this is where social media is hard. Because there's nothing wrong with the act. It's about the heart posture. And so we need to ask ourselves these questions. Why did you take a selfie with your tithe? Why did you take a selfie with your act of service? Why did you... It's, it's not the act. What you're going to hear when you leave here is, you shouldn't post that. Pastor said today, you shouldn't post that. I did not say that. It's being recorded. I did not say that. What I'm saying is, why? And I think this is probably the biggest thing for us to hurdle because oftentimes we can even be so convinced Oh, it's to, it's to bless other people and to get other people on board and to do these other things because if I don't post, others won't get on board. Interesting that the church survived before Mark Zuckerberger. How in the world did we make it? And so you know that the Spirit of God moves in ways that you can't understand. And you and I cannot control and so again it's not about what you're doing it's about why you're doing it and jesus said listen don't do like what the hypocrites do they do it so they can be seen you do it and do it this audience of one let god be the one that sees it well how are people going to know that i did a thing let other people honor you. You let other people lift you up. You let other people talk about your reputation. You let other people esteem you. One of my favorite things, and this is, this is, it's all a balancing act, people. It's all a balancing act. I wish for my melancholy perfectionist, I could tell you that it was black and white all the time. It is not. It is so not. When I say to somebody, hey, I want to honor you, and they say, no, no need, right? Balance. But it's important that we honor you. I saw one time, uh, I used to go to the leadership summit with uh, Willow Creek Association, and Bill Hybels at the time of his uh, tenure as lead pastor there, I was watching the screen, and they wanted to honor him for starting Willow Creek, for starting the Global Leadership Summit, and they wanted, I don't even know what they gave him, maybe a plaque or an honorary. They did something for him. And I distinctly remember, I don't know that I'll ever forget this moment where it started out as an element of humility and it ended in like he just kind of ran off the stage, right? He didn't know how to receive that because sometimes even praise can be scary because it can get inside and it can get into the wrong places, but it's about letting others honor you for the work that you do, for sure, no doubt. Because you didn't do that work with the intent to receive that. Are you following me? Somebody say yes. And so I do things, not because I want you to say thank you. I do things because I do things. And so if I do something and you don't send me a thank you note, uh, I promise you I won't even think twice about it. I won't even think twice about it because I don't even think that far into it. You just do a thing and you're grateful for that moment and then let it be. So what was the heart behind why you did it? Jesus says, listen, when they do things, they want everybody to know. We're going to continue in verse 5 here. When you pray, 
Don't be like the hypocrites. There's that word again. Hypocrites. This, this idea of pretending. Play writing, if you will. Being one thing in a public venue and then being something else in private. Once again, he uses this, this uh, language of hypocrite. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corner in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Now, we're going to stop there for a second. Now, again, not the act, but the heart behind the act. If you, when you pray, you stand up so that everybody can see what a wonderful, righteous, holy prayer that you are, that's a heart issue. That's a heart posture problem. If you stand and you lead people in prayer as an act of worship and honor and discipleship, that's a totally same act, different intentions. But I don't know about you, sometimes I get those thoughts in my head of, oh man, am I doing this so that I can be seen? And okay, but I don't want to be seen, but I don't want them to think that I want to be seen because then I'll be seen. And if I'm seen, they'll think that I'm a, you know, and then I spend so much time justifying this simple act of just doing that I don't even do it. Is anybody there? Anybody ever been there where you talked yourself out of doing something so well and quick, mind you, it happened in milliseconds where you were like, I'm going to, no, probably not. And then you miss an opportunity. I think it's fair to say that when, when you feel prompted by the Spirit of God as a, as a follower of Christ, you act on it. Stop trying, to, stop trying to overcomplicate your act of serving and giving and being and doing. Because we want to we lay it all out to make sure that it all makes sense. Where in Scripture does it make a whole lot of sense when God says to do something? Hey, we're going to have you go in that furnace. God, that doesn't make any sense. Why, why don't you save us before the fiery furnace? Said Shadrach, Meshach, and a bubble gum. Right? It's actually a bendigo. However you choose to process that one. We're going to have you go in that lion's den. Lions are starving. And um, you're going to go in. Yeah. Um, how about you do that? Bef- how, about, how about you save me before? That'd be much better. That'd be much better. And so as we think through this whole idea of praying, it's not about where you do it. It's about how you do it. And so when you pray, focus your intents on your Father. Don't worry about people, right? Well, I don't know what to say, right? Come on, let's be real for a second. I talk to some of you and you say, well, I just don't know what to say. I don't pray good. (laughs) But you run your mouth good, so let's talk about it. So I'm a good prayer. Why? Because I just talk to my Heavenly Father, right? It can be awkward at first if you have an estranged parent. You ever talk to somebody you haven't talked to in a while and it's kind of weird, awkward? That's probably why it's so weird and awkward for you because distance-like, right? Does this stuff make sense, right? I'm going to talk to my Heavenly Father, and it's just weird. It's awkward. I don't know what to say to Him. I get it. Push through that. Push through the awkward. Do it anyway. Talk to Him. Push through the thoughts and say, God, I'm choosing to focus my attention on you. I'm choosing just to let this be about me and you. Somebody sees me, let it be what it's going to be. Some people have actually accused me of sleeping while I'm praying. 
and rightfully so, sometimes I am. And so, so, so you know, if you're sitting out on the, on the patio out here and you're just kicked back and you are just enjoying the moment, you close your eyes because you're trying to focus, let that be okay. Let that be okay. And if you see somebody out there praying or sleeping, leave them alone. We're going to let them pray in the name of the Lord. So we're going to move on to verse 16 here. We're going to see another element that, God, that Jesus is very intentional about sharing. So he's talking about good deeds and giving, super big deal. Now he's talking specifically in these verses here, five and on, about praying and fasting. Now when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and uh, disheveled. Uh, disheveled, disheveled, uh, you know, choose your pronunciation there. Uh, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, this is the only reward. There it is again. This is the only reward you will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face. Then, do want, then no one will even notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. And so there's an element of reward uh, that God is a part of, that gives. And so when we do things for the praise of other people, dependent on what other people are going to say to you, then that's it. That's kind of all you get. And I choose to believe that my Heavenly Father has greater rewards than you saying good job. And so we want to do these things more privately. Now, when it comes to fasting, fasting's hard. Fasting's a difficult uh, concept when, you're, when it's not a spiritual discipline of yours. And here's the situation. Sometimes as a church, we will call people, hey, let's fast together over this situation. And, um, and then people are like, oh man, I don't even know how to do that. Well, you can just start off slow. Maybe you fast one meal a day and you use that time in special prayer. Maybe you fast a, a situation. Maybe you fast, typically it's food. And then when you feel that level of hunger, it's okay. Us Americans can go one meal uh, without eating. I'm telling you right now, you are not going to die. You're going to feel like it because you're so used to just giving that. But when you feel hungry, you just, you just re- you be reminded that, man, I hunger and I thirst for the Lord. I, de- I, I, I am acknowledging that I am in need of you, Father. Now, what the Pharisees were doing was they were making themselves even look worse than what they were, and they were probably walking around just kind of slouched and, oh man, I tell you what, fasting is hard. It's so hard, but we do it because we love the Lord. And so I just want you to know I'm fasting this week, fasting right here, this guy fasting, and don't, doesn't it look like it? Doesn't it look like I'm fasting? Jesus says, don't do that junk. Don't do that. We led, uh, years ago, a church family in a time of fasting for one of the first times. And people uh, kind of missed the point. They kind of missed the point at the beginning of it uh, because we were talking about, you know, the Daniel fast where you can focus on vegetables and, and things of that nature um, uh, and, and, and eating, and there's recipes, and there's a recipe book for the Daniel fast, and things like that, and there was so much talk online about, hey, found a great recipe for the fast, how's, your, how's this fast going, this fasting, and everything was flooded within the church family, talking about this, talking about that, people even saying, you know, allowing themselves to be annoyed by other people because they were hungry, and even saying, man, this fasting is hard, it's, it's tough, I'm, I'm starving, and just going over the top. And as we begin to see what Jesus says, he says, don't do that. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a spiritual mentor in your life that says you have questions. A uh, dear friend of mine that uh, is in Korea now, uh, Sunhee Starkey, some of you may know her, 
uh, Cornerstone. Uh, she actually taught me the art of fasting, or the discipline, I should say, of fasting. And I called her up and I said, hey, um, is this okay? Hey, I got a question for you. What do you think of this? And she would walk me through that. But the focus was, you know, teach me, guide me, mentor me. It wasn't a matter of everybody seeing what I'm doing. It's a balance, right? It's a balance. And it's a hard balance because we're like, well, we want to we help other people. We want to guide other people. Check your heart. Why are you doing what you're doing? And so Jesus makes it very clear that's not how we do it. He mentions three spiritual gifts, uh, three spiritual disciplines in this passage, prayer, fasting, giving to those in need. And the idea is that we do these things. We do these things intentionally and they're necessary, but we don't, we don't do it in order for other people to know about it in the sense of, look at me, look at me, look at what I'm doing. And I value seeing what people are doing. Oh man, look at what they did. That is so great. They did this, they did that. But it's a fine line to walk when, when we're posting everything and we're doing everything and we're just wondering like, okay, that's hard. Are you sharing that because you want everybody to know what you're doing? Because we're actually told not to do that. But are you posting it to try to let the church family know, hey, we're a part of something and celebrating it? That's a hard thing. That's something that you need to pray on yourself and think through and process, huh? Why am I doing what I'm doing? All these disciplines are supposed to give you a sense of greater dependence on God. But people were misusing them all. They were giving, praying, fasting, not to connect with God, but because they wanted attention. They wanted people to look at them and say, wow, you are so good. And doesn't that feel good? Let's be real. When somebody sees something about you that you did, and they say to you, man, you did good. And you're like, thanks, right? Because there's this moment of like, wow, okay, yeah, you saw what I did with that, and I gave that person the thing, and yeah. Especially if you get the likes. You get all those likes. I don't get a whole lot of angries yet. Do you get any angries on your posts? The mad face? I don't know. I'm waiting for my first, you know. And so you get those likes, you get the hearts, you get the care. I love the care button. Everybody gets a care button for me because it's a hug. And especially in the middle of the shutdown when Facebook came out with it, I was hitting it on everything. And so we, there's something inside of us that actually these, these feel-good chemicals in our brain are released. And it's actually like a drug. It responds exactly like a drug. And you feel a certain way. And so I think we just need to stop for a moment and check our hearts and say, okay, Lord, is there anything that I'm doing that's actually being more hypocritical because I'm being viewed as something I'm really not? I think it's important for us to question that and just think through that from time to time. You see, they wanted to seem extra spiritual. They wanted people to be impressed with them. These hypocrites, as Jesus called them, were doing many of the things, but they had forgotten why they were supposed to be doing them. And this wasn't the first time in history that this even happened. There was a... Do you guys have favorite quotes? Does anybody have a favorite quote? Right? Uh, Don't eat yellow snow. That's a word of advice. That's my favorite quote. Use it in the winter. Sometimes I use it a lot in the winter because there's a lot of winter. We have favorite quotes. I have some favorite quotes. Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I remember. Involve me and I learn. What is rewarded is repeated. More is caught than taught. 
I love these quotes, and these are, these are, these are popular uh, quotes to me that I remember here, that I've heard from different people in time. Jesus had favorite quotes, if you will, and there were times where he reached back in time and he pulled forward a statement to share what was going on. Um, and this time, he's saying the same principle that was said to the Israelites so many years ago. This is in Isaiah chapter 58. Listen to me as I read Isaiah 58 a little bit here. So the, the Israel would say, we have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been so hard on ourselves and you don't even notice. And so Isaiah the prophet says, I will tell you why. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. No, this kind of fasting is what I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind the people. Care for people. Justice. This is what I want. I don't want you to simply walk through the motions of sacrifice and, and, and doing some sort of honoring of me. And, and in the New Testament, we learn about communion and, and taking communion in the sense of why? Why in the world do you take communion for a remembrance that, you're, that you don't even pay any attention to? And so it's important for us to think through this, but here's why. Because sometimes we will be in a group like this and we will participate in communion. Because if we don't participate in communion, people will think something's wrong. And then we wonder, oh man, are they going to think less of me? I get it. There was a period of time, uh, man, 2020 just kind of like, that's, that's a whole year, you know. Um, two, three years ago uh, where I was struggling with something. And God was very intentional to me to say, no, not now. And I had to not take communion that moment because he revealed to me something was going on. And so I didn't do it then. And I went and, and made something right with somebody. And then I was able to come back and do that. When God reveals something to you through examination of this process, sometimes he'll say, no, no, I don't want that. The real miracle is you getting over yourself and apologizing. The real miracle is you connecting again. The real miracle is you not being self-righteous, but selfless. Wow. I just want to focus on the big miracles, right? I want to focus on the cool things that you did. I don't want to focus on the hard stuff that I'm supposed to do. And so God says through the prophet Isaiah, same principle, hey, I'm not interested in that stuff. I'm not interested in that stuff. Isaiah tells them to stop thinking about themselves for just a minute and remember what God called them to do. Stop taking advantage of others. Loosen the chains of the unjust. Set the oppressed free. Share what you have. Share what you have. Take care of people who are without food and shelter and clothing and act justly. This time of communion is to remember what God has done in a very intentional way manner. You see, over the past month, we've learned that Jesus' mission was to set people free, so we remember that. The, uh, over the past month, we learned that Jesus can rebuild what has been destroyed. The world, yes, us, his creation as well. 
And we learned last week that Jesus calls us to do justice. Today, Jesus calls us to remember. He calls us to remember. And so as we, as we participate here in just a moment with communion, we want to take a moment to recall something. So our next steps are simple, hard but simple. Uh, what is God teaching you through this month of back to the future? What is he teaching you and what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? So what I want to do during this next moment here, everybody that came in should have received a communion cup. Did anybody not receive one that wants one? One up here. Okay, good. Okay. One over here to the far side. And so what we're going to do, communion is a time to examine your heart, to examine this moment, to really think through. Right over here, Carl. Oh, thank you, Don. And so what I want us to do is examine our hearts for, ready? Here comes the point, hypocrisy. Because as a follower of Christ, there is no place for it. That's why ministry work is by far the hardest thing I have ever done. And so as followers of Christ, we are called to examine our hearts. So in a heart of a spirit of prayer, I'm going to read some questions. And I want you to think through these questions. This is not a shaming thing. This is a revealing thing. The Lord does not shame. He reveals. The devil will shame and ask you to keep it unrevealed. And so as I go through these questions, this is between you and God. And so discover for yourself what's going on inside of you. Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am? Do I laugh at the mistakes of others, reveling in their errors and misfortunes? Do I insist on having my own way? Is there a tendency for me to put others down so that I'll be thought more highly? We see this in our political systems. If I devalue you, I somehow transfer value to me. Do I pass on to others what is told to me in confidence? Am I thoughtful in expressing thanks to people for what they've done for me, no matter how insignificant it seems? Am I a slave to dress, a slave to friends? and their opinions, a slave to work or habits? Am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? 
in the middle of these questions, here's an interesting addition. Are you now focused on somebody else that does these things? Did the Bible live in me yesterday? Did I disobey God in anything yesterday? Did I insist on doing something about which my conscience was uneasy? Did I handle discouragement well, or did I have to be coddled? Am I enjoying prayer? When did I last speak to someone about Jesus? Is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, or hold resentment toward? This is, the question has a second part. If so, goes along with our next steps. What am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? The word communion is defined as the act of sharing or holding in common participation. What is communion on a biblical sense? The word communion is translated in the King James of the word koinonia, which means a partnership or a fellowship. This heart posture of hypocrisy has no place in our hearts. It has no place. This communion is a remembrance of the sacrifice and the non-hypocrisy of our Lord Jesus Christ. He gave his life as a ransom for whoever believes. The elements themselves are really not the issue. It's the, it's the fact that believers assemble together to fellowship, to remember Christ's sacrifice, and to examine their own hearts as to whether they have any unconfessed sin. You know if you have any unconfessed sin because it's possible that he's bringing it to your mind now and you're coming up with reasons why that is not sin. I know that happens because I'm not the only one. Right? We all deal with these things. This is actually considered a privilege to do to honor God as we remember. So Lord Jesus... I bow before you in humility, we all do here, and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Anything. Somebody say anything. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion or unforgiveness that may be hindering my relationship with you. I know that I am your beloved child having received you into my heart and life and having accepted your death as penalty for my sinfulness. The price you paid covered me for all time and my desire is to live for you. As I take the bread representing your life that was broken for me, I remember and celebrate your faithfulness to me and to all who receive you. Can't begin to fathom the agonizing suffering of your crucifixion, yet you took that pain for me. You died for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave me life, abundant life now and eternal life forever. As you instructed your disciples, I too received this bread in remembrance of you and ask your blessing upon this sacrament. In Jesus' name.
you who truly and earnestly repent of your sins, who live in love and peace with your neighbors and who intend to lead a new life, following the commandments of God and walking in his holy ways, draw near with faith, take this holy sacrament to your comfort and humbly make your honest confession to Almighty God. Go ahead and take off the top layer and receive the bread there. Then you can take back the next layer and receive the cup. So God, as we get ready to head out here today, we uh, know that you are calling us to remember. Remember the words of the prophets, uh, though the uh, Pharisees forgot. Help us to remember the intents of our hearts. Help us to ask intentional questions. Is this what I'm about to do about me or about God? We receive this communion as a comforting element for those who were preparing themselves to receive it. We thank you for the way that you set that up for us to remember. So God, as we go throughout our week, we have an opportunity to be the church, your church. And so you are going to be so active in this church family and all the church families that focus their eyes on you and you alone. Not about our performance, but our presentation. We are not looking to be entertainers, we're looking to simply present you to other people. So God, may we do that with our life. May somebody be able to walk into any place we are and look at us. And may what they see honor you. Because we're not interested in someone's opinion of us. We're interested in, in what you have to say. Our good father. We as your children... We receive this, and we honor you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so next week, don't forget, 11 o'clock only. We're going to be outside, have a, have a fun um, July 4th service uh, gathering picnic feel to it, where we just enjoy uh, the fellowship and the time together. Please don't let today be the last time that this conversation happens within your family, within your friends, within your neighbors. Uh, sometime you're going to have an opportunity to talk about it, so take advantage of that. Will you receive the blessing of the Lord now as you head out? All right, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord shine his face on you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now go! and be the church.